My top five podcasters, Chris, 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 Chris Lambert, and probably myself, but this ain't about that. The mundane festival is where you at. If you've been tapped in, you know what's up. If you're a first timer, hey, welcome to the club. The cost of admission is simply a subscription. Then rating and reviewing it wherever you listen. Don't worry about change ups, the cast won't break up. Even with that million dollar contract, show up a stand up guy who's a stand up comedian with a stance on everything from food to media. So, welcome to the show. Please take your seat. Let's find out what he's got in store this week. Who, me? I'm Don. Will you open the app? Thanks for coming out. Please clap. The Mundane Festival with your host, Chris Lambert. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Mundane Festival Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lambert, recording this on Sunday, April 23rd, 2023. Remember, as always, you can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening apparatus. If you're really into this thing, go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to shows. Give this one a five-star review. Let everybody know why you like it, because it's simply the right thing to do. And if you would like to take your love and appreciation of this show to an even deeper level, go over to patreon.com slash mundane festival. Subscribe. It's three bucks a month for hours and hours and hours of bonus content. This is episode 643, I reckon. There's no guest. It's just me alone in my apartment on a rainy Sunday morning, giving you some podcast gold. Um, I had a pretty good week. I'm not going to complain. Not going to lie to you. I had a pretty good week. TPS reports, uh, an audition, some uh, video gaming, and some comedy. I wasn't expecting to do comedy. I always want to do comedy, but I didn't have anything on the books. And my manager called me late Friday afternoon. He's like, what about some shows? You said you wanted some shows. I'm bringing you some shows. There's some shows at Bananas Comedy Club in Rutherford, New Jersey. And uh, I was opening for uh, Jimmy Fela, who's a, a local comic that uh, has a show on Fox News. And it's called Fox Across America. And there were no black people that whole weekend with the exception of the last show. <laughs> and uh, I I kind of expected that. And um, I had fun. This was probably the easiest run of shows that I've done there because normally you do. It was a two-hander, too. So he only wanted me to do 10 to 15 uh, and just bring the crowd up because he does a long show and he had like uh, Q and A after. I didn't I didn't stay for for the shows. I just kind of I just left. But uh, he um, so he was like only just just do you know do uh, ten to fifteen. The first show the, he did three shows. They were sold out. The first two shows were sold out. The last show was three quarters full. It last show was almost sold out. And um. 
I got up there. <laughs> I got up there and did my uh, some of my hardest racial humor about uh, black quarterbacks. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to give the bit away. Some people, if you if you looked at it on, I don't think did I do it on that Pottstown set that it's on Patreon. I might have. I think I did, but it was a twist to it that I added. And it mentioned Obama and they started, some of them started booing. And I said, well, no, they didn't start. Like it was about Obama. They started laughing. And I said, yeah, some of you laughed too hard about the Obama thing. I, I liked him. He was a, he was a great president. And some of my people were like, boo, boo. I said, I said, no, we're not going to do that. I said, we're not going to do that. Uh, what did I say? I said, uh, <laughs> I said, no, I was like, you're not going to tell me. Somebody said, oh, don't talk about it. I said, you're not going to tell me what to talk about. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to make you laugh on my own terms, and you're going to like it because I'm great at what I do. And they applauded and they laughed. And then uh, I did another bit that, I, that I've been, I mean, liking. I've been enjoying like a newish bit that I've been enjoying doing. And I closed with that and uh, got the fuck off stage, went home. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was fun and then um the se- the second show another packed sold out show this was last night the first show was friday night and uh i was doing a, a bit that's like a just a, a bit about the working in the office if you've seen me live i've done it whatever and uh and i said i said something like oh i just want to see how far i could go on uh uh, on a on a Saturday night in in Rutherford, New Jersey, and then somebody yelled out something, and I said, "What?" And she said, "I said, what'd you say?" I said, "You're going to you went too far," and then I said, "Okay, well I'm gonna go even further," and the crowd just erupted, and then I think a couple seconds later, a minute, a, minute, a couple seconds later, I think that same woman, that same white woman, was uh, telling was laughing. But I said, you don't get to tell me what the how far I can go. I said, I'm an artist. You don't get to tell an artist what he can and can't do. So I just kind of had fun with him. Uh, and I was telling my manager about it, about the, the Friday night show. And he's like, yeah, you know, I thought that would be a test for you. And I said, I said, dude, you've booked me a lot of coming up in, in at least at least the way that I've come up in the new New York tri-state area. You're going to do these shows like these fundraisers in Central and South Jersey where everybody's Republican and they don't have the same views as you do. They're all white. Uh, I came up in in those rooms. uh, I've been doing those rooms pre-COVID for the last five, six years of my career. And you and it's enemy territory. It's enemy territory, and you and you gotta and you gotta do your your job and laugh. I remember doing a show where uh, I've talked about this before. There was a a female comedian on stage. She was Jewish. She mentioned that she was Jewish, and the crowd didn't like her. And I got up and said, like, not really defended her honor, but I just kind of said, "Damn, y'all are this is what what is this? I I I I don't know. I I I did whatever I did." Did my set, had a good set. Had a good set, fucking killed. And um, 
I went to the bathroom after the show and there was a guy coming in there like about to leave or something. He's oh, you were funny. And he's like, and he said, I don't like what you said about my president. And I was like, oh, I was like, okay. All right. And then I just left. Like he thought he was going to get in an argument with me or I was going to say something. I was like, no, okay. I got paid already, buddy. Enjoy your, your team's football uh, season, You're, you know, from because of this fundraiser. I, I don't know, man. Uh, that that doesn't that doesn't scare me because I've been been to shows where um, and I've talked about I think I might have said something about this recently where they say uh, someone said to me after I did a show in a church. I think it was in Middletown, New Jersey, somewhere and uh, did the show and I was I got my check. That's one of those you get your check and you get the fuck out of their shows. Not that they were going to do anything, but it's like I'm not staying here. <laughs> and this lady and some guys were standing outside of the church in the back of the church and I was exiting that way and so oh, you were funny and the lady said you got a lot of balls coming down here I said what do you mean coming down she's I said every I said what do you mean everybody deserves to laugh and I just left you know so coming up in those rooms, it, it, I think I said to my manager, I said, you know, those that room was just like that, just like Central and South Jersey at one of those like halls, uh, 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 Mason halls or whatever, and the, like the big, big multi-purpose rooms. There's just like that, except it was a nicer room, and these people lived in North Jersey. That's the only difference that it was. It was in a Renaissance hotel. You know. Um yeah, so it was it was fun. I had a good time and I got I got paid. Um but it's always good to do stuff in uh a room like that, especially when you call it enemy territory and it's like 20 minutes down the street from me. That's why I, you know, I I remember when Fonte was on here this was before the election. We were talking about how things, you know, how it could go left. And it really did go left, not in the favor of the left, but it shit went left, as people say sometimes. There's areas, there's pockets in, you know, people call the East Coast the. Uh, the East, you guys live in your East Coast bubble and you don't. You don't know any about what the real people are dealing with, the New York elite, the East Coast elite, blah, blah, blah. But that's not true. Because there's pockets, like, where I where I used to work, I said this hundreds of times, but I was talking to Fonte about this. I was um, coming home from work. Every time I would come home from work, if I didn't go the main highway, and you just, and I would just cut through the back roads and they're not, and, and these are not, it's like, it's, if I would just, not, when I say back roads, it's not like the back roads of where uh, it's like a sundown town kind of, well, let me get back to, I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, when you take the scenic route, there's more options of places to stop if you need to stop somewhere, blah, blah, blah. But as you're going through some of those neighborhoods, there's super wealthy people, then there's poor people. 
And then there's like, uh, there's people that have, that used to have Trump signs. They had Trump signs after he lost the second time he, when he, excuse me, when he ran. So those, those are those type of people in broad daylight. <laughs> so weird to say in broad daylight, the infected in broad daylight. There's those, those people are there. I don't know. And it, and it, you can't even, and the term hiding in plain sight isn't even applicable. Like a, a pizza spot that I like going to. It's, it's them kind of people be there. They, they everywhere, really. That's how he won. And that's why it's scary that the motherfucker might win again. This shit is no, it's man. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not super, super political, but I know what's what man. So it's like when you when you touch the people like that, you know it's you know what's up and 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 when you're uh, not white, a, a non-white, you're gonna if your head isn't stuck up your ass, you're gonna know you're gonna know what's what. Um, but I just thought that was funny. It's like yeah, I thought I would test you, but I'm like, but it, it's always the good to get your skills up. It's it's like in a video game when you when you've leveled up in a certain degree it's always going to be a test of your skill. You know, I just finished God of war Ragnarok this past week. And uh, it was good. I, it, it's not game of the year. It's, I mean, they don't say that, that, that didn't win game of the year for nothing. That's a, it's a very good game. And it's one of those games where you have to build your skills up and you can still be tested, even though your skill level is high. And, uh, Life does that to you. Um, man, life sure does. Um, and those games do it to you. But the thing about... So God of War was great. And I, I, I highly recommend it, especially if you played the the first one. I'm late as hell. I'm like, what is that? November, December, January, February, March, April. Five months. Uh, I got it when on release day. And I played it for a couple of hours. But I had so much shit going on. I, I couldn't get to it. So I, I finally got to it and it's, it's really good um uh my only thing is i mainlined the story and i didn't um do a bunch of side quests and i think you it, it might serve you better if you do side quests but it seems like some of the like the the later bosses they're they're they have their level of difficulty and it's it's not easy to beat them but after i beat the game there's a secret ending and to get to that secret ending, you got to fight a little bit. And one of those games, I was like, damn, this is almost as hard as the last boss. Like shit. But then it, part of it makes me want to, part of me wants to go and do some of these side quests and level up and get all that armor. But I mean, there's so many more games to play that I have. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do next. That horizon forbidden West DLC came out. I did pre-order it. I have it was only twenty bucks, but if it's anything like the Frozen Wilds DLC, it, that's an ass kicker. Even if you're at level fifty, it's still gonna kick your ass. And after over a year of not playing it, uh, there's gonna be a learning curve. So uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go. Shout out to the homie Keith friend of the pod, uh, sub, subscri- Patreon subscriber, uh, person I've met in real life. 
and had and dine with uh, in in uh, Connecticut. Anyway, shout out to Keith. He he had messaged me and said that he was playing Breath of the Wild, and that game's considered one of the best games of the modern era, not called The Last of Us or God of War. And um, it, it just, just, for the life of me, it's like starting at square one. You got to start from zero. But it's like, ah, oh, that's another one. And then the new one's coming out. So that's one that I have not ripped the pack, ripped the, the plastic off of yet. So that would be fun to play. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, there's tons of options. I'm not at a, a loss of options. And then I just I got Forspoken, and I want to play that. Kind of want to play with some Black Girl Magic. There's some Black Girl Magic in God of War Ragnarok that's pretty cool. And actually one of the most um, fun parts of the game, I would say. Beautiful parts of the game. Yeah, that's, that's, such, a, that's such an epic, robust game. Uh, I really, I really did enjoy it. And, uh, about, about fathers and sons, about family, about brothers. Yeah. That's it. God of War Ragnarok, a game about family. Yeah. It's the Olive Garden of video games. Again. <laughs> okay. That's a dad joke. Um, I had a my first well, no my second in person audition uh, this past week for a commercial. Uh, I don't I don't know how that's gonna go, but it it was. I think I'm at a at a disadvantage because I'm uh, younger than everybody that I saw going in for that part, and I think the cast director knew that my manager knew it, so I don't know what's gonna happen with that. It would be nice because that would be a lot of money. It's hard to not, yeah, you do these auditions and try to forget about them a little bit. I think I'm at the point where, you know, I'm just like, okay, you do them and forget them. If you get it, like, I'm like, oh shit, that's great. Um, it's hard to not daydream about paying off some bills though. You know, taking my mom to Sam's club and like, and say, get whatever you want. (laughs) You could have whatever you like. Taking her to the New Balance outlet and saying, hey, mom, get whatever you... I've done that before, though. I am I pat myself on the back that I did take her to the, the New Balance outlet. She doesn't... She's not a... My mom uh, likes stuff, but she's 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 uh, down enough to enjoy New Balance. The, the outlet at New Balance. But that's, you know... It would be nice to to um, do that. You think it's hard to not daydream, though. Some of these gigs you get offers for, you get auditions and stuff for, but we'll see what happens. Uh, the update you all have been waiting for: uh, Robin's Nest Gate or Robin's Gate. Uh, so, for those of you that don't know, there was a there's a the shed in at my mom's place. And that that she has, and it's in a, a under, it's like an enclosure, and uh, there were ro- robin's nests. Uh, there's a robin's nest there, and she asked me to just check in and see to call and see how much what it would be, what we'd have to do to get it removed humanely, 
And I called the state and the state said that to gave me a number to call. And then I went called the, the, the PG County uh, Department of Animal Control. And they said, well, they can't really do anything. They said, if you move it, uh, you'll kill the, the babies. You'll kill the eggs. And um, I think, yeah, that's what they said. They don't. They said they don't even go out. They don't even touch it. I think if you just have a dead animal on the street, they they would move it. So then they told me to just call a private company. And I called a private company, and they charged like two hundred twenty five bucks. And they said there's no real humane way to deal with it, but you would just have to, uh, if you move them, they you kill them. And then she was saying, if you just wait a couple weeks till they hatch, then move them. But the mother might, the mother could come back and, and build another nest. It's just a nest she built on top of the, the grill. And I said, well, at least somebody's getting use out of that grill. That's what I said to my mom. And um, so that's, that's really it. They're federally protected. They really can't move it. And they, they said that. They said, well, we can't move it because it's it's federally, federally protected. Robin's Nest are. I didn't know that. I wish black people were, you know, whatever. I'm sorry. I'm not going to get too woke. Uh, that would, I would lose my uh, my money stream if I got too woke on here. I, I got to start calling women females and uh, stuff so I could get my, my money up. Um... Okay, uh, so that's that's that. Um, yeah, so that was something new to learn. You know, I didn't know anything about that. I know sometimes there would be a dead animal. I think my dad would somewhere. My dad would just put it in the trash, uh, like a a small rodent or something. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. So I I didn't I don't want, and and they basically said just wait a couple weeks for them to hatch and then. And talk about moving it out. Um, it will, so that that's really that. It's very, very anticlimactic, uh, unceremonious. Uh, I don't think this pod will be that long this week. Uh, but I, I'm going to talk about some music, a couple music things, some TV, and, and uh, some movies that I saw this week. Um, I forgot to talk about the Boy Genius album that came out a couple weeks ago called The Record. Uh, Boy Genius, if you haven't heard, is a band that was formed in uh, 2018 by Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, and Lucy Dacus. I didn't know much about them. I knew knew about Phoebe Bridgers. I talked about her, I like her stuff. And I said, oh, she's associated with these folks. Let Let me see what's up. And I don't know if that I've, I can't remember if I listened to the the EP, and then I remember because I was a big um, Mayor of Easttown fan, as you all know. Um, they were mentioned that they were going to be at a concert. They were doing a concert in the show, like oh, Boy Genius is doing a concert at some venue, a venue that St. Vincent was playing in twenty twenty one. I didn't go because I was afraid of COVID. And I did have a ticket, so I ate the, I had to eat that, the cost of the ticket. Um, anyway, I listened to this thing called the, the, the new, this new project, and I did like it. The very, 
kind of folksy. I love the the um, the first record. It's just really uh, an intro, and uh, just the harmonies that they. Let me see what the name of this the intro is. Um, without you, without them. It's kind of kind of uh, about family, and. Uh, yeah, it's a nice it's a nice song. But overall, I did like this. One of the things, the aesthetic things about this, not not necessarily how it sounds sonically, but just the the whole vibe I was in when I was listening to it. It was a rainy Saturday and I was driving around suburban New Jersey, uh running errands and uh listening to it. And I was like, "Yeah, I like I like this. I like the vibe." It's really good rainy day music. Um, but I have not, um, I haven't really delved deep into it, but just, I think it spun about two, I think I spun it like twice and it's 42 minutes. Um, I did like it. I did like it. Um, it reminds me of, um, not too much, but the, the very, the very first record reminds me of, um, Jenny Lewis's collaboration with the Watson twins in 2006, uh, this project called rabbit fur coat that you've heard me talk about before. If you're a, if you're a long time listener, um, there's a song called run devil run. I don't know that that, I don't know if that's a cover that they did. Let me just, let me see if I can find it. Jenny Lewis and the Watson twins rabbit fur coat. Because there are covers on this one. I think it's just like Run Devil Run is just is an intro. But their their harmonies are so beautiful. And I remember seeing them, I believe, at Park West around that time. Uh, and it was just it was so, so good. I really loved it. And this one, this one's a little more. Rabbit for Coat is a little, little more country tinged. But when I I just kind of associate that that harmony that harmon that type of harmonizing with country, um, even though it's not exclusively a country album or like bluegrass, yeah. So even um, okay, this in, the wiki for Run Devil Run. People noted that the album's first track, Run Devil Run, was old time gospel with Chandra and Lee Watson providing an acapella backing with other reviews calling the opener track, a breathy gospel tinged number with a blast of impassioned, close harmony, bluegrass style vocals. Two singles were released, rise up with fist and you are what you love. Yeah. It definitely had that, that feel that bluegrass, uh, gospel gospel, obviously the, the records called run devil run, but reminded me of that made me think of that like a, that that's a a loose association but um yeah it's it's good i i want to listen to some of their other stuff you know you kind of got to be in the mood to listen to something uh and you know i don't do too many music reviews uh just because i'm not constantly listening to music i'm listening to more podcasts uh, but another uh, one of my favorite new artists that I've slept on that I just kind of slept on for years that I've been raving about now that I am able to uh, uh, now that I'm woke uh, is um, your old Droog 
and he has a, a new song out that he did with Mad Lib. I, I'm hoping, I, I think that there's a Mad Lib Ural Droog album coming because this album, this record that he released a couple of days ago is called Pronouns and it's not making fun of any uh, queer, trans, or binary. It's, uh, it's not. It's just him. It's just him rapping a guy about against this, you know, the straw man that all rappers uh, rap about. You know, it's it's pretty hard. the The hook is like, "You are not him," uh, and I, I didn't know. I when when people say now, when the young kids say, "I am him," "I am him," means like I'm the shit or whatever. And the first time that I was made aware of it was from uh, the the Lakers uh, forward uh, Austin Rivers when he he like dunked on somebody or made a great play, and uh, he he you could hear him mouth I'm him I am him, and you know he doing the like ah, like yelling and stuff after he made a play, and I was like oh shit okay, and apparently Austin Rivers can ball is it Austin Riv- Reeves oh shit no no that that's Doc Rivers' kid Austin. Austin Reeves. Yeah, Austin Reeves. Sorry, everybody. It's Austin Reeves. He says he said that. My apologies. But he's a he's a baller. And uh, yeah, so if you're into hip hop and you like old Droog, uh, definitely check that record out. It's 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 pretty hard. And if it's a precursor of what's to come on this Mad Lib project, I'm I'm super excited. I'm uh, just, uh, I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait. Like, Euro Droog, like, I was listening to him on the way to the show uh, yesterday, last night, and it was just, yeah, this this is pretty fucking hard. He's he's a beast. Um, it's a lot of concerts coming up. Erica Badu and, and Yasin Bey doing shows together. That ought to be fun. I'm trying to figure something out. I'd love to... I love to do do one of those at, either at MSG or the Prudential Center. That would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm uh, hoping to make one of those and other stuff coming up. That I at least want to go to one or two this summer. I I would love to. I have not been to a big arena show. I don't know. I think I've only been to Prince and uh, when I saw the Strip Justified tour, Justin Timberlake and uh, Christina Aguilera. It was a good show. Black Eyed Peas opened for him. That was fun. Uh, yeah, so it would be really nice to to go. Um, hoping that things work out and I'm, I'm able to do that. It's, it's a bunch of stuff. It's summertime's coming and... Uh, it would be good to to do do something, you know. I would I I I would enjoy that. Um, what else? Let's do TV and and some movies and call it a pod. Man, I I I don't know. The black elite is really hard on this show. I don't see people talking about it that much. Only my homies. Uh, Damian Lemon and uh, Ali Muhammad talk about it. Power Book Two Ghosts. I love it, man. It's it's so fun. It's so fun. People just don't like because <laughs> my, my guys were in the conversation. They Damian and uh, Ali. 
they make fun of like uh, Tariq not having a car, but he gets he gets to all these places so fast and everything. They finally remedied that. Remedied that. He got a car now. He's good. He's good. And and those convinced. I get that, but like some people just don't. You have sus- people have suspension of disbelief for like Game of Thrones with these dragons and all this shit. And uh, but then with power, you don't. You can't, you can't have the same suspension of disbelief that Fifty Cent's character can like come out of the can get burned up in a fire and come back. Why can't you guys believe that? I'm loving book two, Ghost Man. It's fun. I'm I'm enjoying that shit, and I'm I'm smart too. I can I know stuff. I've read things, but I can still enjoy this. I can still enjoy this show. It, it's it's so much fun to me. It's soapy and like it's like well he did this thing to this person, this person's father, but he doesn't know about it, and they're lovers. What's going to happen when this guy finds out? He doesn't know what's going to happen. It's it's so much fun to me. And there's yeah, it's it's good. I I'm I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it. Barry came back, so they did hit us with two episodes. I'm loving that. That's really great. Um I'm I'm glad that this show that it's not really glad that it's ending per se, but glad that they have an ending for it. There's an end game. So they've thought about how they want to end this show. And it's such a well put together show that I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So I did like these first two episodes and, and how the characters, the show's called Barry, but it's almost like these other, and not necessarily ancillary, these satellite characters of Barry um, the people that have been uh stained by him, if you will, are affected and uh, by what he's done, and uh, that's fascinating to watch because he's in jail. You know, uh, there's not much he can do in doing there, so that's really interesting. Um, and I'm hoping that they stick the land, and I'm quite sure that they will. Speaking of another show ending, um. Snowfall ended. I did like that show. I felt like they jumped the shark um, when they the, when they had the tigers and shit. Uh, was that last season, the season five? I think. Um, I was kind of. Uh, I I forgot how um, people, because Franklin Saint was an anti-hero. And I looked at him the same way that I looked at Tony Soprano, Tony Soprano and Walter White. You kind of root for him. Because it's a TV show, it's a drama. Um, you kind of want him to win a little bit. At least I did. I'm not going to put that on anybody else. I did want him to win. And when it when he when it ends up the way it ends up, I'm like, ah, it's kind of a it's kind of a bummer, but at least he didn't die. And at least the person that was uh trying to do him in um got dealt with but really it is uh people tried to com- I don't know why you why you compare that to the wire cuz it's it's not the wire and it's it's good and it's it was entertaining television 
but it ain't the wire. It ain't. And it's really not that not the same type of show, if you will. Um, but I did. I, I did enjoy it. I thought there was some good acting going on. Um, I really did like the show and I, I, I tuned in every week. That's one of those shows where after, after it started to come on Hulu with the last few, uh, seasons, cause I watched it in real time. Um, I, that was a show that I would watch. I put it on a little bit of a delay and then watch it. And then sometimes when I couldn't get to it, I would, you know, watch it the next day without the commercials, but I'm so spoiled with having Hulu premium and just watching it all, you know, straight through and not on my DVR where you have to skip, where you have to skip through things, the commercials, first world problems. Um, yeah, so I, I did, I did like the series. Hopefully those actors continue to work. There's talk of, um, uh, Damson Idris replacing Jonathan Majors as uh, uh, Kang the Conqueror. Ah, oh, man, that that stuff, man, that's it's really sad. It's sad on the ends of, uh, you know, if this girl really did get, he really did hurt this woman. That's, that's sad. And then as a fan of Majors' work, you almost have to... Uh, mourn a mourn the career that could have been if this really takes him down other people have gotten gotten uh on the other side of uh domestic violence and have had a career continue to do stuff i don't know what's going to happen um but uh man that you you that, that i think that's the the best way to um uh, To explain how I feel it, feel about the whole situation, mourning uh, 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 the career that could have been, the career that already was, you know, what it, because of what he already gave us. So, um, and it's not it's not uh, to belittle what happened, the 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 magnitude of what happened to that woman. Um, Cause everybody's dropped it, but that's what people do when you're, when you're, when you're down bad like that, the show business is a brutal game and, uh, you can be replaced. It's not, it's not a, um, nothing's nothing set in stone. So yeah, I think that encapsulates how I feel. Just feel bad about, feel bad about it all around. And, uh, yeah, it sucks. Um, the other show I'm, I was into, I just started watching the the Night Agent on Netflix. That came out a couple weeks ago, uh, last month actually, almost a month ago today. Says it came out March twenty third. Uh, this is uh, was while monitoring an emergency line, an FBI agent answers a call that plunges him into a deadly conspiracy. Involving a mole at the White House. Um, I like it. Um, the thing that attracted me, one, was the fact that it looked interesting. Look, it, it looked interesting. And um, 
uh, Hung Chow's in it. So I was like, I got to give this a chance. I like her. She's becoming one of these actors where if she's in something, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to see what I'm going to see what they talking about on the jump. You know what I'm saying? So I really enjoy her. And uh, I like the show so far. Uh, it's good. I'm my, my girl, Carrie Russell, the great Carrie Russell's in a show on Netflix called The Diplomat. I haven't watched it yet. I'll just wait till I finish the night agent. Then I'll get into my girl, Carrie Russell. Um, she'll always be Felicity. Um, and it seems like now she's kind of, uh, oh, how do you, how do you, how do you say, I don't know if she's ever been serious about like, I, yes, that was in the past, but, uh, I, I don't, it seems like she's maybe embraced that, I guess, if that's right. Cause she, the way she talks about it on, um, in interviews and, and such, um, Okay, so that's that's a TV I was watching. I I was uh, in the green room, really just another hotel conference room last night, and I was uh, watching the night agent, and it was it, on my phone, and I I only rarely do that. You know, when I'm in the when I'm doing laundry, every, every occasionally I'll do that. Look at my, I'll download some episodes of something and watch. Uh, and I just said, man, let me, I did save, I did save a bunch of the, save the season on my phone because I was doing laundry. But then I said, let me see what's up with that night agent. I'm kind of bored of Tetris. Let me see what's up with that night agent, young. And I was watching that and uh, I was like, oh shit, it's time. I said, it's almost time to go on. I was like, oh, okay. And um, yeah, so I enjoy it. It's good. I recommend it. Um, movies. This week. I saw Chevalier, or as someone someone on uh, on Instagram call it Chevalier. <laughs> he said, "I thought this was Chevalier, and uh, you know, but I was like, oh, it's French, but you know, Chevalier." Uh, I was excited for this one. Let me let me read you the. Let me see if I can read you the. I'll read you the Google blurb. It's in front of me right now. Uh, the illegitimate son of an African slave and a French plantation owner, Joseph Boulogne, rises to improbable heights in French society as a celebrated violinist, composer, and fencer, complete with a love affair and falling out with Marie Antoinette. This movie stars Kelvin Harrison Jr., the great Kelvin Harrison Jr., and Samara Weaving, uh, and Lucy Boyton as Marie Antoinette. I really, I, I like this one. I'm not a big period piece fan for a lot of reasons. The racism, the lack of black people. And when black people are in it, they're usually treated like shit. And this does not disappoint on that front. I saw it. I wanted to see it because of Kelvin Harrison Jr. I was pleasantly surprised how AMC was promoting it. It's one of their, what do they call it? The, their signature? Is it like their signature series? Um, I'm opening up the app right now. I'm trying to see what. Yeah, art, no, Artisan, Artisan Films. That means like it's one of their art house uh, pictures. And uh, when I went to go see um, Showing Up last week, 
they had a display of the costumes in there. And I was like, oh, shit, this is pretty big. Like, I wasn't, I was talking to the homie Tim Hall about it. I was like, I wasn't expecting them to go out like this for it, like, good, you know, get that promotion and whatnot. Oh, and many drivers in it, too. Um, and uh, so I was like, yo, I'm kind of, I'm kind of hyped. And now, and it, it was playing at a theater that was close by. Theater with the recliners. I like those better because those seats in the regular one are just like hard-ass seats. I, I I don't like I'm not a fan. Anyway, went to go see it. I liked it. I did. Um, and it was uh, directed by Stephen Williams. I want to say, I want to see what else he did. So I think he's kind of a, he's more of a, more of a TV guy, I think. If I'm not mistaken. I don't think this is the right. Yeah, okay. All right. Here we go. I got to look at some of these interviews, too. I didn't look at too much on this. He was a producer on the on Watchmen. He was an EP on uh, the... True story, the Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes show, Undercovers. He worked on Lost. So he's got to have a good career. I'm trying to think, look at this. The IMDb did did this weird thing where it's like these carrots that you got to click and you, they collapse and it's all kind of different. Oh, shit. But the guy's been in the game for a while. He's known for Watchmen, Lost, and Undercovers. He's married to, okay, I don't care who he's married to, but good for him. Uh, that's so weird that I can't. Chevalier, True Story, Watchmen, Westworld, uh, Bloodline, that was on Netflix. How to Get Away with Murder. So he's more of a the American, speaking of Kerry Russell. So he's like a, t- he's a TV director. And then um, the writer... Is it worked on Atlanta and what we do in the shadows? Let me get her name. Um, Stephanie Robinson. And she's she's written for Atlanta. And I believe, yeah, what we do do in the shadows. Yeah, so she's um worked on those shows. So it was pretty neat to watch. I mean, now <laughs> I don't know how historically accurate, if it's 100% accurate, I have to read up on it. And, and I, when, after I watch a movie, a lot of times I like to listen to, um, interviews or, or, or if they've been on podcasts or watch stuff on YouTube, like ending explained or interviews and things like that. I like to do. Um, but, um, yeah, I haven't really delved into this one yet. Uh, but I did like it. And it captured my attention for somebody that, and, and it's large in part for, is that the right way to say it? Mainly because of Kelvin Harrison Jr.'s performance and um, the subject matter of what he had to deal through, deal with, uh, that, that kind of bullshit. I really like the cold open. I don't want to spoil it too much, um, but I, I did enjoy it. And this is coming from a guy who's not a big period piece fan. My guy, Kelvin Harrison Jr., had me out on a Thursday premiere night day show. You know, I went to a five o'clock screening. It was me and another black guy. <laughs> so uh, who couldn't stay off his phone for some reason. And it wasn't too bothersome because I was all the way in the back and he was way up in the front. 
but um I do recommend it. Uh, it's good. I'll I'll talk about one more movie and get the bleep out of here. So last night after the show, I went to the movies. Um and I, I went I saw Bo is a Bo is afraid the new Ari Aster film, the guy who uh directed Hereditary and Midsommar. And I was nervous about this one, not because of the movie, but because it was not, you know, because of the subject matter of the movie, but because it was going to be an 11 o'clock screening. It was, and it's a three hour movie. I didn't know if I, so let me, let me, let me get into the, um, let me get into the blurb here. Let me find... Oh, come on. I was trying to do the letterbox blurb for this one. Okay, here it is. Let me click on that. Oh, well, well it's not that deep. Okay. Uh, okay, here we go. Bo is Afraid, directed by Ari Aster. From his darkest fears come the greatest adventure. A paranoid man embarks on an epic odyssey to get home to his mother. I don't know how many stars I want to give this, but I liked it. I'm still thinking about it. I'm still thinking about it. Um, it stars Joaquin Phoenix, Patti Lapone, Amy Ryan, Parker Posey, and Nathan Lane, Stephen McKinley, Harrison, Henderson, uh, Armin Nefastian. I don't know who that is, but good for that, brother. Um, I did like it. It's 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 a lot. Um, and I was nervous about it because I was thinking, okay, I'm doing this late show, but if I leave, I can get to the theater and, and see this movie. I did take a nap. I rode my exercise bike. So I feel like I'd, I would probably be okay. But three hours, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. But I said, fuck it. I haven't done that since maybe 2012 when The Dark Knight Rises came out. Before they started making the movies come out, um, not at premiering at midnight on a like Thursday, and going into Friday, you know, and I remember being a zombie after I saw that movie. So I, I said, I don't, I don't know if I could ever do that again. But this, I was like, fuck it, man. You know, let's let's do it, YOLO. I know people don't say that anymore, but you only live once. And I said, fuck it, man. Why not? I want to I want to check it out. I was excited to see it. Uh, and none none of my friends wanted to see this. I hit up I, I hit up the homie Brandon Collins. No no nobody wanted to. I was like, is anybody nobody is anybody going to want to talk about this? I said, fuck it, I'm gonna see it. And because uh, his last two were pretty wild. This one's probably the most. This is most. This is the wildest. So Joaquin Phoenix plays this guy who is paranoid. He's in he's in therapy and he uh is is on medication and he has to uh the next day he's going on a trip to see his mother who obviously seems like he's manipulated by his mom and there's some stuff going on. There's uh and the way that and and it's almost 
I don't know if he's, uh, if what we see are just in his head, if we're just seeing a depiction of what we, what he thinks is going on. Um, but it's, uh, it's something. Do I recommend this? If you've seen Hereditary and you've seen Midsommar and you're not freaked out and you and you liked it, uh, I would say go see it. It's a mix of of horror, comedy. Some some people have thrown out there's elements of the Truman Show. I definitely see that. You would blatantly see it in the last hour of the film. It's blatantly evident there. A little bit of like... It's like a little bit of Michelle Gondry in there, like a dash of, uh, I'm just trying to tell you what it's like, you know, comparing it, comparing it to off the top of my head. You know, I was kind of thinking about that. Someone said, some people said everything, everywhere, all at once. I could see that, but that's also another film that I need to see again. And I'd like to revisit Ari Aster's work again. Um, but I did like it. I dozed off a little bit, not because of the movie, not because it was boring. I, my ass was tired. I thought that I was like, oh shit, did I miss Parker Posey? Uh, indie movie queen, darling. Um, I didn't, but I, it was just a small portion where I had dozed off. Really, I, I really loved um, just how it looked technically. How like Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor. I loved how like they just kind of stayed on certain shots of of uh, his face in certain scenes where it was just like, man, that's a really fucking good shot. And there's some one towards the end of the movie, maybe the last act, where it's just this really beautiful shot. I'm I'm trying not to spoil anything, but at its the simplest description of this really is um, a paranoid man embarks on an epic odyssey to get home to his mother. And if you have a mother, you can relate to that shit. And uh, I was like, ooh, this kind of this kind of hits close to home in some regard. My mother would never go to the extremes that uh, this mom did. I was never I was not treated uh like that but uh it's a it's all it's all like hyperbole in a lot of ways this is uh i don't i don't think this is um i think that's and I, my my guys uh on uh, i i recommend these guys fish jelly uh channel on uh youtube one of them was saying that you know Art is supposed to make you contemplate this stuff. That's this is what art house films do. This is what good art does. It makes you think about stuff. That's why it's kind of hard for me to just say, "How do you rate this one?" I'm I'm still I'm still thinking about it. I'm still processing it. But it's anywhere between the three and a half, four star range for me. And I, I'd probably go four stars. This one's not for everybody. Like I said with showing up last week, it ain't it ain't gonna be for everybody. This is totally different. It gets fucking weird towards the end. Uh, yeah, it, it it's it's something. 
It really is. Uh, and I think, and it's, and this, this isn't me being a label 24 whore, I guess, or a label 24 groupie. Cause I mean, I, God, where, where Ari Aster's, where's other films, uh, where's other films, A24? I think so. I think that's just how it is, but, uh, excuse me, I just gotta, I gotta go back and, it makes me want to go back and look at his stuff. And I did see his, his, um, his 2011 piece, short, the, the strange thing about the Johnsons. And holy shit, that's really fucked up. But I think all of these, Bo's Afraid is A24. Hereditary, let's see. Um, no. Palm Star Media. Okay, I don't think that was... I know Midsommar was that had to be a twenty four. No, is that right? Okay, so Bo is Afraid's the only a twenty four film. All right, I did not know that. According to Letterbox now, but yeah, um, I did like it, and it, it did hold my attention for that shit to end at two fifteen in the morning. It was it was me and five other people in there, and it was in IMAX. If you can, I don't want you to say that you have to see this in IMAX. I would not say that if you're not a like AMC Stubbs member, or you're you're at at your uh, your theater where you have a membership that you don't have to worry about upgrading. But if you can see it in IMAX, go for it. I don't think I I've never seen an art house movie in IMAX. So this is so I don't I don't think you can call me a A24 uh label whore for this one because I didn't know his other ones weren't. So I would see it with with whatever studio um he's doing. He's one of those dudes. He's like it's like he's a he's a a provocateur in a lot of ways. I don't think he's trying to gross you out. Um it, it's almost like he's an American Lars von Trier. Like where Lars von Trier doesn't give a fuck about your feelings. Uh, Ari Aster seems to be a little more playful. Especially with this one. It's a little more... This, this one is by far... His funniest one. And I hope uh, Veronica or Tim sees this. So maybe we can unpack it. And in the meantime, I'm, I think I'm going to put the burden of <laughs> watching these fucking movies again. Holy shit, because these are... Uh, like, I, like I've said, you know, I, I've said this since these movies came out. So... So Midsommar was, uh, that's 2019. Hereditary was 2018. And since you have this, this terrific performance from Tony Collette, 
2018 for Hereditary. You got another great one from Florence Pugh a year later. And you had that performance that... Um... Oh, my gosh. Uh... Wow, Chris. Whoa, brain fart. What a brain fart that is. You know she's beautiful. She's lovely. Lapita. God. Brain fart. You knew the white actresses, but you didn't know. Oh, shut up. I've said this for 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 five years now. Three of your best female performances uh, were from these movies that are described, defined as horror. And I always say, you have... Uh, Oh, I didn't. You have um, Lupita gave you two of them in one movie, and I don't know why. So if you, mm, I don't, I don't want to be. Lupita gave you two of them in one film, and you got to start considering these movies, these films, to be. Um, Oscar worthy because a lot of these aren't necessarily the most popular and then there's some of those films that win Oscars and they're winning during award season I guess people just kind of see them as uh, disposable and not what we would call fine art if you will I don't know it's hard to all of it's you would just like to see some of these performances get rewarded and i think it it's definitely started with um for me just me kind of being more aware of it with that tony collette performance lupita um and uh florence Pugh. Uh, i mean there with with I I want I'd like more people to see this movie. I don't I I don't know the people that listen to this show. I don't know how far you go on this indie spectrum because nobody really like the people that support the show with in Patreon. They don't really talk about they don't really talk about the the films that they see. Everybody talks about the Marvel. We, we I talk about it on the show. We have roundtable discussions and whatnot on there, but. Nobody really says how they feel about some of these uh, films, like like these Ari Aster films, or you know uh, what they think about Columbus, or what they think about some of these uh, art house joints. I mean, getting real nerdy. Veronica and I talked about was it uh, Nine Days? That was a really good one. We talked about what in I think twenty twenty one or whatever, but it's definitely something to watch. It's it's um yeah, it was it was good. I really enjoyed seeing it in IMAX at the mall, you know. We you always hear those stories about the Limax, but um the one at the AMC Garden State was was pretty cool. Like I, I, I did enjoy it. I never I never seen a an art house flick on IMAX. Um, I thought Joaquin Joaquin Phoenix was great. Uh, it's it's one that that I would say merits seeing more than once. 
I think I think all of his his features merit that. Um, yeah, he's one of those dudes. Whenever he puts out something, I'm gonna check it out. It's even if it gets weird. Uh, I was waiting for it to get because he they kind of did the Michelle Gondry thing in the in the middle of the film. I was like, okay, I I see where that that's going. And then you kind of put some stuff together like, oh, well, okay. And then at the end, it goes pretty, it gets pretty wild. It's really wild in like one scene where I was just like, okay, all right, you know. But I did, I, I enjoyed it, man. It held my attention for three hours on a early Sunday morning and uh, me and six people, I they some people were shaking their heads. It's like one guy looked back. I don't think they knew each other. He looked back and said, "What did you think of that?" I heard some people laughing in certain moments. I I chuckled a couple times. It's definitely his funniest. Um, I just remember a funny moment when I was uh, in Connecticut doing some shows. Most of you that listen to the show know that I love uh, if I can do it. Love going to the movies before seeing a show. And uh, bef- love going to the movies before doing a show, if I can, especially when I'm on the road. And um, I went to see Hereditary, and it was an early Friday screening. It was maybe like a mid like an afternoon screening. And I was walking behind this couple, and the the man turns to his female, and he says, "You're never picking movies again." Oh, and it, I guess that, that one freaked him out. That's not her fault. <laughs> oh, it was just like middle of nowhere, Connecticut. And, uh, cause like, you're never, <laughs> and I kind of felt for that woman's life. Not in fear for her life, but I just like, she's like, I'm never getting p- picking one. I remember a woman made me go see Deuce Bigelow. She didn't make me so much as I wanted to get with her. She's married with a, at least one kid now. So good for her. All right. I think <laughs> I think that's the end of the, the podcast uh, this week. I want to thank everybody. I want to thank everybody for listening. I really appreciate you all. And uh, I hope you have a great week. And I will talk to you next time. Take it easy, everybody.